0: Scott and Sharon McLean have completed nineteen years of ministry in Italy, uh, we are, they're sending church, and it's time for them to transition back to the states. And uh, we're glad to have them with us today. That it could work out. They just got back in July, and uh, Scott's going to just challenge us a little bit from the Word, as well as giving, in, in the same time, giving a little bit of recap of, of of what God has done. Scott, the Lord bless you. Let me make sure. This is Thank you, John. It's a great to be with you, um, and it's been our joy to serve in Italy for 19 years. Hard to believe it's, it's been that long. Um, we, we spent uh, our first term working in Milan, actually worked aside, uh, alongside John uh, for a good portion of that first term. Then we went back and worked in the town of Domodossola for 10 years, small town, saw the Lord work there. And then about four years ago, transitioned to Milan Bible Church, uh, where we served uh, up until we came back. Uh, John had said that we've made the decision, the hard decision to transition back. Uh, Just share a little bit about why that is. Why did we leave Italy? Um, It's not an easy question to answer because there were a lot of things, a lot of factors that went into that. Probably the main is is Sharon's injury, and uh, just to give you an update on her situation, in some areas she's really seeing improvement, doing well in in her strength and her mobility. We're gonna start doing some physical therapy here. Hopefully that'll continue. Pray for the nerve pain. That's something that's very hard to deal with, makes day-to-day living a challenge. And you can talk with her if you, if you want to know more about that. We'd appreciate your prayers. But there, her injury, and she was injured by a wave in Canada a couple years ago when we were on vacation and left paralyzed for a time, for anyone that had not heard that. Uh, it, it's limited what she's able to do, and as a result, what the family's able to do. It's limited our ministry and changed it in some ways. It did open doors as well. Um, but the, the, diff- the changes that made to our ministry was one of the main factors. And then there were things related to the girls' schooling, to our support, other family and, and desires um, that all went into this. It was a decision made after a lot of thought and prayer. And, and it was a hard decision to make. It was hard to walk away from Italy um, where there's so much need. But we know and we have peace that this is what the Lord has for us. This is the direction that he's taking. And and it's good that in working through that and talking and praying that we've come to have real peace uh, with that. Um, So what's gonna happen now, we'll have a a final time of home ministry, heading into, into the fall, visiting some of our churches, speaking of what the Lord's done, we'll remain with Crossworld on sort of salary and health insurance to the end of the year. And then we'll take some time. Uh, This this time, this next year until next summer, we're looking at as a period of transition. Uh, Going to step back some of our our ministry involvement outside the family and and get through this time of transition. That's a challenge. I know some of you have trouble saying that really difficult word, no. Um, to, To keep things slow, allow us to get through this time. And then see what the Lord has as possible future vocational ministry. We know that he has something for us. Uh, we know that he has some kind of ministry that will fit who we are. And we're excited to see uh, what that will be. But right now we're taking just some time to transition. And We appreciate your prayers as, as we transition. Uh, pray for the family, especially Luana. She's going to be going to the, the public school in Efford. It will be a change for her. I'll be homeschooling Karas, a little bit less of a change. I'm um, shall the same teachers as last year. <laughs> um, but it will, it will be a challenge. Um, ask you to pray for Milan Bible Church. Thank, thankfully, the Lord has led us to another pastor who'll be serving there. Uh, a retired pastor from Vancouver he as he spent four years with an international church in Warsaw. So he understands international church ministry. are really excited how good of a fit this will be for the church. Pray for him. He's, they're in the process of getting their documentation together, getting a visa to come to Italy. Not necessarily an easy thing. Uh, I'm hoping to get there in October, so pray for them. Um, but you know, one of the things that I've thought about as we've come back is what did we leave behind in Italy? Normally, when you're traveling, you don't want to leave things behind. You know, we were leaving, leaving my brother Dan's. Uh, we went around Europe a little bit just before we left. Leaving my brother Dan's, we were like, oh, we left Luana's sort of windbreaker at Dan's. Do we want to go back or do we want to keep going? We said, ah, keep going. We can get another one. But when you're in life, you do want to leave things behind. And we think about, you know, what the Lord's allowed us to leave behind in Italy, and one thing that touches our hearts is the Dombivoda Church. We we went there and it was basically one extended family. I think our first Sunday there we were 13, and that included the three of us at the time. And the Lord's allowed that church to grow to have more of a focus on reaching out. Um, they're no longer meeting at home. They they rent facilities and they're actually outgrowing what they have. They're looking to rent a different room. Um, it was an encouragement. This was the last Sunday that we were with them. And it was encouragement to hear from from some of the people who told us that the Lord used us uh, in their life. It's one of the things that we were able to leave behind, and we're really going to miss the church. I mean, we've been away from it for four years, but it was just an hour and 15-minute drive. Now it's like a eight, nine-hour flight, plus a drive. So we're going to miss them. Uh, We're going to miss Milan Bible Church. And one of the things that we saw the Lord do, and um, this is a special church. It's it's got a special place in our heart. But in the church, there was was a man, um, Alfredo, an Italian man. He came to know uh, one of the Filipinos in the church who was taking care of his mom, started coming to the church and just felt the love of the church. And so he kept attending, and, and he, he didn't speak that good of English, he, he didn't necessarily understand the whole service, but he understood the love that he felt from the congregation. He knew this was a special place, and he kept coming because he really enjoyed being with us, and he hadn't trusted us. He was there from before we arrived four years ago, and the man who was the pastor there said, I don't, I don't think he's trusted the Lord yet. And so I met with him, and sure enough, in talking with him, it was obvious he just hadn't understood the gospel message. And I'd try to explain it, and he just wasn't getting it. And, but he kept coming because he knew the church loved him, and they threw a 70th birthday party for him. Uh, you can see that there. Um, and he developed cancer. He had had it before, at an earlier stage, it had been resolved cancer came back and slowly began to take away his life and the church continued to minister and I'd go visit him in the hospital and at home and then at one point someone in the church said you know he's he's really scared of dying you know I think he might be ready and I went and I remember sitting by his bedside with one of the elders of the church and explaining the gospel to him again and seeing the light come on he got it he understood it he wanted it That it's by grace. It's not what we do. That it's a gift. And he understood it. And he accepted Christ's gift. And you know at 70 some years old. He changed. And everyone that would come in. And there were a lot of people. There's the doctors and the nurses. And the caretakers. They would say you've got this peace. God had changed him. And a couple months later. He passed away. But we saw. And that's how it should happen. People should feel that love um, reaching out. And um, we, we've gotten to, we're able to minister to his family. Uh, his mother, who's 92, uh, still gets around, still lives on her own, has someone who comes in and helps her a bit in the morning. But the church is able to go and visit her and continuing minister, continue, pray that she comes to know Jesus Christ. Um, his daughter and, and son-in-law Uh, We're able to have a little bit of contact with them. Uh, She actually donated a kidney to her husband, a rare occurrence that there'd be that close of a match. Um, Pray for them. She just wrote me on Facebook saying that it looks like his body might be rejecting the kidney. Asked us to pray. So pray for them. Pray for that specific thing, for this kidney to work, but also for them to come to know the Lord. Um, it's one of the things that, that we leave behind. And other lives that, that we've had the privilege of touching, but that haven't come to know the Lord. And that's something that's hard to leave behind. But you trust the Lord that as he brought us into the lives of these people, he will bring other people into their lives. You know, this was a group we had uh, just last summer. We had a picnic. We sort of wanted to reproduce what, what we had here, a block party where everyone gets together and they eat together and have fun. And so we said, well, we'll do it with our apartment block. We have a nine-story building, 36 apartments. And so we, we put out publicity for it, tried to get people together. Not, not many people came. We had two families and a single guy that came. Uh, but we enjoyed getting to know them, and, and we were able to develop a relationship Allowed us to reflect Christ into their life. We, we later invited them, and you can see the picture here. We invited them for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, we were invited over to their home, and, and when we would see them, we'd actually stop and talk more time with them. A lot of people in the condominium, it was like you'd pass them at the elevator. You're getting out, they're getting in. You'd greet each other, and that was about it uh, because everyone's always going somewhere. Um, but you know, as we leave these things behind, you can pray that the Lord continues to work, that the Lord brings other people. And we've seen that one of the, one of the ladies uh, that, we, that we had the privilege of leading to the Lord, a Japanese lady, Midori, married to an Italian. We had seen how the Lord had, had worked in her life years before and didn't seem to bear fruit until years later when she was in need and ended up finding Milan Bible Church and coming to know the Lord. And so we trust that the Lord will keep this work going and, and pray for pray for Midori, pray for her husband, Marco, uh, who's, who's been very resistant to anything religious, very anti-anything to do with God. He, he's, he's been burned by some things in his life. Uh, perhaps he's showing a little bit of signs of softening, but pray for him you know, sometimes, I shared some of the things, and there are other things that we could say. There's other people whose lives we've been able to touch. Sometimes it's hard to see what we leave behind. It can be hard to, to know what, what is the effect. The effect can be slow. But one of the things that encourages me, and this is the verse I want to speak on today, it's found in Matthew 13, sort of one of those, one of those parables of the kingdom and uh, I, I met with, uh, we had a group called a salt and light group. We'd get together and we'd just talk about being salt and light, talk about how we would reach out to other people around us. And one of the times we, we, we talked about this verse, and we just sat around and discussed, it. it was actually one of my favorite times as we talked about this. And it's a very simple verse. It says simply this, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. What does this mean? Well, it's talking about yeast, leaven's yeast, and I really like making pizza. It's one of those things I enjoy. Um, A couple years ago, well, several years now ago, Sharon gave me what's perhaps my favorite Christmas present, a pizza stone, that I can make much better pizza with. But one of the things when, when you learn how to make pizza and pizza dough, you learn how to work with yeast. And um, you learn you know, how, how to work with it, how to heat it, how to, how to treat it. For example, I try to make my pizza dough the day before because if you let the yeast work overnight in the fridge, you get a much better flavor. And so I try, I don't always make it, but I try to think ahead and make my dough the day before to give the yeast time to work. Now, I've also made pizza with dead yeast. I didn't proof it, which you're supposed to do. And we mixed all that together, but the yeast, it it might as well not have been there. And and I can tell you, pizza dough without yeast, it just isn't good. (laughs) It's just dry and flat and just not good. Um, Yeast really makes a difference. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God, in some way, is like yeast in dough. It's like yeast and dough. Well, what does that mean? I think, there's, I think there's actually a lot there that as we look at other passages, we can see how, how the kingdom of God is like yeast. And the first thing we see is the kingdom of God is, is hidden. Now, this is perhaps the primary message That he was giving because he was speaking to the Jewish people and they were saying, well, when Messiah comes, he's going to kick out the Romans and set up a political kingdom and going to rule over the whole world and we're ready for the Messiah to come and get rid of these evil Romans. It's going to be a big, huge show, the kingdom of God. And Jesus was telling them, well, no, not now, not yet. It's it's going to be more of, of a hidden kingdom. Not not that it can't be seen at all, but it's not going to be that big political upfront kingdom that everyone sees. It's something that's going to spread hidden. And you know, we are that kingdom. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God being hidden like yeast, that's us. We follow Christ the king. He rules in our hearts. He works in us. We're part of His kingdom the church the gathering of believers together is Christ's kingdom because he rules in his church we are in a sense for now God's kingdom in the midst of the world now it's not a visible it's not an earthly kingdom yet that's coming that day will come and a wonderful day it will be but right now it's in us what what do we know about that well God's kingdom needs to be spread throughout the dough. Um, For yeast to work, it needs to be in contact with the dough. It needs to be spread throughout the dough. And that's why when I'm making pizza, I rip open the little packet of yeast and I pour it in the bowl and I add hot water and I dissolve the yeast. Make sure it's fully dissolved. Why? Well, that way it spreads throughout all of the flour. It's in contact with the flour and that's important. Um, I learned as I was, I was preparing this, there's actually something else that has to do with the yeast. When, when, you, when you let something rise, like bread, you make it, and what they tell you is, you should let it rise, and then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to punch it down, knead it again, and then you let it rise again. Those of you who have made bread recognize that step. Well, you know what it is? The yeast in the center of the dough is, is, is multiplying really fast, because it's nice and warm there from the action of the yeast. And so you get a greater concentration of yeast in the center of the dough. And you want to spread that yeast out so it's more in contact. And so you knead the dough again, mix it up, and that yeast spreads out. And it can have a greater effect on the dough. You need to knead the dough. had to get that one in there. I like puns. Um, But we, too, as God's kingdom, we need to be in contact with the world to have a kingdom effect. And God's plan is for his kingdom, his believers, his followers, to spread. And that's that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Cambodia and the Middle East, how God's kingdom is spreading. It's going throughout the world. It's spreading. And to have the maximum kingdom effect, it needs to be out in contact. For yeast to work, it needs to be in contact. That's where the yeast effect that we'll talk about in a minute, that's where it happens. It happens precisely where we are in contact with the world. We're in the contact with people that don't know Jesus yet. That's the place where the yeast effect happens, in our job, in our neighborhood, in our family. And as we are spread out into the world, it enhances that effect. It allows the yeast to multiply more and it allows the yeast to have its effect. And that brings me to my next point. Like yeast, God's kingdom both multiplies and has a positive effect on the world that surrounds it. God's kingdom both multiplies, but it also has a yeast-like effect. It has a positive effect right on the dough that surrounds it. So, what, is, what does yeast do? Well, one of the things is it multiplies, it reproduces because yeast is alive. And as you mix it in with the dough, it starts to multiply, it reproduces. And as Christ's disciples, that's what we should be doing. We should be multiplying, we should be reproducing. We're disciples of Jesus Christ, we follow Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to be reproducing? Other disciples that follow Jesus Christ. That's the Great Commission. Go and do what? Make disciples. That's our job. Our job is to multiply. Um, And the good thing is that as yeast multiplies, guess what? It can have more effect on the dough because there's more yeast to have that positive effect on the dough. So as yeast, we should be multiplying But yeast also has a positive effect on the dough that surrounds it. What happens is as the yeast is in contact with the dough, it produces carbon dioxide. And that creates the little bubbles that you see in bread or pizza dough. It softens it up. If it's not there, the dough stays sort of flat. If you've ever eaten unleavened bread, it's just kind of flat. Doesn't have those little air bubbles that makes it nice and soft. It softens the dough. It also strengthens the dough. as those little air pockets form. It works with the gluten. It strengthens the dough. But I think perhaps the best thing is it adds a wonderful flavor to the dough. You know that wonderful smell and taste of fresh loaf of bread? Still warm out of the oven and you slice it down and oh, there's that wonderful smell. And you bite into it and there's that wonderful taste just when it comes out of the oven. You with me? I don't know, some of you may be gluten intolerant. You don't enjoy that. I feel really, really sorry for you. I love gluten. But you know know what's responsible for that wonderful smell and that wonderful taste? Well, a lot of it is the yeast. It's how the yeast works on the dough, and it produces that wonderful flavor, that wonderful smell. And again, that's why I make my pizza dough the night before, because I have more time to create that wonderful flavor. And again, this positive effect, where does it happen? It happens where the yeast is in contact with the dough. As the yeast interacts with the dough, it has this effect. It releases these substances that add flavor and soften things up. And as Christ's disciples, we should be having a yeast like effect on the world around us. Now, yeast acts on the dough because of what it is, it's just natural. When you put yeast in contact with the dough in the right circumstances, that's just what's going to happen. And as as disciples of Jesus Christ, that should be natural because Christ is working within us. He's changed us. He's made us new. And so when we're in contact with the world, it should be automatic that we should be producing this positive effect because of who we are. We've been made new, and we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal, is to be conformed to Christ's image. That includes, if you look in the Gospels, how did Christ interact with the world around him? That's part of it. That should be happening with us, is how we interact with compassion on the world around us. And as we reproduce, we also have a positive effect. Where we live, where we work, should change. We should make the environment better. Now, in certain cases, that's really easy to see. In Cambodia, Lina's Hope, that's really easy to see the positive effect. And we can think, yeah, that's it. That's what what following Christ is like. We're we're helping children. We're bringing God's, God's justice and God's love to people that really need it. That's obvious. But what about where you live and work? You should be having a yeast-like effect. You're the yeast that acts in your job, where you work, in your neighborhood. You're the yeast, they're the dough. You should be having that effect in your area. And Christ's redemptive work, the goal is restoring the world to its former glory. And we'll see that when he comes back. It'll be finalized and the world will be brought back, made new to its former glory. But that perfect restoration, it's not yet, but it started. It started in our hearts. He's making us new. Read Romans eight, one of my favorite passages. It talks about how he's giving life to our hearts. But not only that, it should be happening through us, bringing justice, bringing mercy. Bringing peace. Seeking peace and pursuing it, First Peter says. We should be bearers of peace. And in this country at this time, we need people that bring peace. We should be bringing hope to people who think things are hopeless. That's what we're talking about. Hope. We can, and as we bring these things, as we bring an atmosphere, an air, a smell of peace and hope into the dough where we are, it improves it and makes it taste better. Now, these two things, they're distinct, but they're very closely linked. There's multiplying, and there's having that positive yeast-like effect. They're linked. I mean, First Peter 2 and 3. I preached through First Peter at Milan Bible Church and really loved it. I encourage you take some time to read that. It's all about how you live as a disciple of Christ in a world that can be somewhat hostile. And especially chapters 2 and 3 It talks a lot about it. It talks about imitating Christ, uh, responding to reviling with blessing, seeking and pursuing peace, doing good to people that are around you. And those are all things that have a positive effect on the world that's around us. And then Peter says, oh, and by the way, always be ready to give an answer to someone that asks about the hope that's in you. You see, as, as we live this out, as we're yeast and we're producing this, this aroma, you know, some people aren't going to like it. But some people are going to say, wow, what's different? There's just an air about you. There, around you, there's, there's something different. And they're going to ask, and that can lead to multiplying to another disciple of Christ. And the more disciples there are, the more this effect spreads. And so we should have both. We should have both happening. Well, well how do we do this? What is, what is that yeast-like effect? Is this just something random? Well, no, there's, there's specifics, and, and oh, good grief, you could, you could preach so many sermons on what the effect we should have in the world around us is. But I'd like to just mention a couple passages, three passages where I think we see a lot about being like yeast. One is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. It's the manifesto of kingdom living. And if we're going to live out the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is going to have a yeast-like effect, we live out the kingdom. You know, and the world tries to be kind. I was in Walmart the other day and and heard them saying over the thing, you know, try to be kind to people around you, you know, communicate it on your phone, hashtag acts of kindness or something. And it got me thinking, well, how are we different than that? Because we're trying to be kind. I thought, you know, the difference is if you look in Matthew 5 to 7, that's radical stuff. That is just radical, impossible stuff. It's stuff that only happens if you've got some divine power inside you making it happen. You know, this loving your enemies stuff. That's that's divine, earth-shaking stuff. It's only possible because of his life in us. And again, that's the kingdom life. That's the change he's made. To make us yeast. That's what's different. Or Micah 6 8, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. That's something that you can do in the world around you. You can love justice. You can see things that are unjust and say, no, this isn't right. I'm gonna speak out for justice, I'm gonna love mercy. This is a world where you don't necessarily get a lot of mercy. You can be someone to say, hey, wait a minute. I I believe in second chances. I believe in showing mercy and walking humbly with God. Or another one, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Do good to all men and especially to those who are the household of faith, especially other believers. And you know, this this actually is a verse that that sets us apart. Because Muslims do good to other Muslims. If you're not a Muslim, not so much. But Christ says, no, do good to all men. In in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, you're going to love your enemies. You're going to do good to those that hate you. Why? You show that you're sons of your father that's in heaven. You're showing the family resemblance. We're to do good to all men. And that has to do with that yeast-like effect. We don't say, oh, you're going to become a Christian? Okay, I'll do good to you. You're interested in Jesus? Okay, I'll do good to you. No, we say we're going to do good to all men. Yeast-like effect. That creates a positive effect. It changes the world around us. And it allows us to multiply. It allows us, and it brings God glory, and that's the point. You know, even if they don't trust Christ, and it talks about this in First Peter, even if they don't trust Christ, even if they hostily reject what you're doing and say, I don't want any part of it, First Peter tells us when Christ comes back, they're going to glorify God because of what they saw in you. You did good. They saw it. They know it. And when Christ comes back, the people who said, Christians, you know what they're going to say? Got to hand it to you, God. Got to glorify you, God. Because your Christians were making a difference. They were living out the family resemblance. Now, if I could open a parenthesis, um, I'd heard about this um, program sabbatical, and there's one thought that I'd like to just Put in your heads about that. It says in in the Galatians verse, do good to all men, especially those that are the household of faith. It ties into that special love we have for other Christians. You know, we're told to to love your neighbor as yourself. We're told to love other Christians as Christ loved us. Higher standard, different love, much higher love. But uh, Jesus also said in John 13:35, By this will all men know that you're my disciples. By what? By the love you have for one another. Love between Christians, that special love. Well, if that's going to happen, if that super clear sign that we follow Jesus is going to happen, there's a few things that are necessary. You need to have at least two Christians, maybe more. Why? So that there can be love going back and forth. What else do you need? Well, We need people that aren't yet Christians, the world, those who don't yet know Jesus. Why? Well, so they can be the audience. They have to see the love. That's how they know you follow Jesus. And so you need a situation where you have Christians in a situation where they can act and do life together and non-Christians, same setting. Um, That doesn't always happen, but you can seek opportunities to set up some kind of an informal setting where Hey, there's Christians and there's non-Christians. Whether it be going to a ball game together, having a picnic together, just finding a way to do life together. And and maybe in this time when, when the program speed of the church slows down, maybe you'll have time to do that. So that's just a thought. I don't know how it would look in your specific situation, but I'd, I'd like to challenge you with that. Um, look for an opportunity to let other people see the love between Christians. Okay, close parentheses. Talking about yeast, when, when, when um, yeast has been in dough, you can tell. You can't see the yeast, but you can tell it's been there. And when I, you pull that bread or that pizza out of the oven, you can tell. Yeast has left something behind. And so the challenge that I'd like to leave you with is what will you leave behind? I started talking about what we left behind in Italy. We're transitioning to another thing and and we left some things behind. Glory to God for that. It's his work. What will you leave behind? You know, it says that the average time here in the States to be at a job is only three or four years. Good chance that sooner or later you're going to change your job. What will you leave behind? Will you have multiplied? Will you leave behind other disciples? Will you leave behind that, that smell, that flavor of the kingdom? Will people say, hey, there was something... That person left behind something. It, it's different here. What was it? You know, in your neighborhood, average American will, will move 12 times in their life. What will you leave behind in your neighborhood? Will you let God produce that yeast-like effect through you? It's there. It wants to come out. You need to say, God, let work through me. Let what you've put in me affect the world around me and make a change. May, may God permit us to see this happen in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for, for your graciousness. I thank you that you use us in spite of all our frailty in spite of all our weakness. You, you want to, to work in us To change the world around us. To bring people to you, yes, but also just to change the atmosphere. To change the environment. That people might come to know you. That the world might be a better place. That your kingdom might have touched their lives. And we do this, Lord, for your glory because that's the whole point. That's why we exist, to give you glory. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.